0: A-S-I This is season 4 The season finale Season 4 Season finale Number 2 Here we go Off the podcast with the same bumper I did on the last one because it's all one fluid season finale show. And yes, once again, recording this episode in my car uh, due to time constraints and uh, things like that. I've uh, I have a studio level microphone now that that records just beautiful quality sound but it's just getting in front of the thing and having time to carve that out and, and edit and all that. Production! Um, you could help uh, with that if you like. ASI247.org Click on the donation button and you could give to help free up some time, right? From the, uh, the massive uh, time suck that is my... Uber and Lyft driving activities Also, if you want to advance the message of ASI, of sexual integrity, of understanding what uh, integrity means and helping define that for a a culture a generation, if you uh, are sick of uptight, kind of surfacy, shallow religion that just doesn't seem to have any meat on the inside. If you would like to see the hollow cup, you know, start to get full of something substantive, right? Something tangible besides just more information and speakers talking about stuff that we already know that isn't moving the soul. If you would like to, uh, again advance that that end uh again i invite you to to donate to the podcast also um if you could leave a review now i know there's a lot of reviews i think i have like 20 some odd reviews 30 i'm not sure on itunes but on itunes especially you itunes users um All the podcasts, right, formats, however you listen, Stitcher, TuneIn, I'm on those as well. Um, Leaving reviews on those is also great. But especially with iTunes, uh, if you could sit down and write, like, this is kind of a non-financial way of giving to the mission of the ASI podcast. If you could sit down and write a review just on your smartphone um, if you have a iTunes account, if you have a, uh, an iTunes ID, you can go ahead and leave a review of this podcast right there on, on the podcast page. Uh, rate it, review it, hopefully something positive <laughs> it would, be, would be nice and desirable uh, taking you on this drive, right? This adventure, I would hope I would get five stars as your Uber driver slash Uh, tour guide on this misadventure (laughs) known as known as sexual integrity. A quick definition of integrity, according to your host, Russ Shaw, right, is, and it comes from an engineering standpoint, all right, from, uh, I was working in a machine shop when I first heard the word, and integrity, for example, is like my car, for here, I, I drive, again, I drive Uber and Lyft, Rideshare, all day, and my car didn't have the integrity when I dropped this dude off at the airport, all of a sudden it started making this nasty, squealing noise, and I didn't know why, and I had to figure out what was wrong with it, right? And that took three days to get the car back to the point where I could say, okay, uh, I can trust this car to drive from Everett to downtown Seattle to the airport to Tacoma, right? I mean, that's that's integrity. An airplane, uh, 747, for example, if it, if it has integrity, uh, they know that it's going to fly from, like, Seattle to LA without any issues. That's that's the integrity of the airplane. Um, when it comes to the human being, what I've realized is integrity is... It's kind of like where you're at, you know? A pin and a map. Um, little blue dot from the GPS. When you know where you are and then you know want to know where you're going in your life and then the integrity to complete the trip right like if you don't know who you are where you're going there's some integrity issues um, sexual integrity would say, "All right, well, I'm married, so I am going to love this person, for example, and I'm going to be faithful to them." And then, if you're doing things outside of that, keeping secrets about it and stuff like that, um, if you have a compulsive, you know, life-altering porn habit, that's, you know, again, that's is that going to sustain the trip of your? holy matrimony, Um, your relationship, your marriage. I mean, nobody gets married and says, yeah, we'll do this for 10 years, and then we'll get divorced, you know, like everybody else does, because that's the hip, cool thing to do. No. People fall in love, and you hear songs about it. It's supposed to last forever, right? I'm with you forever, baby. I mean, just, if I could bring a song to mind, I don't have one, but (laughs) you get what I'm saying. A relationship. When you fall in love with someone, you're just like, oh, Oh, I love this person. I want to be with them and grow old with them. And that's integrity, right? That's a distance trip with a, another human being. Um, maybe that's part of the integrity of you as a single person that maybe you would like that, or maybe you have a hard time trusting that. That was me when I was single. I was like, you know, my parents got divorced. My mom was divorced uh, three times. I had a couple of stepdads, right? That kind of thing. Um, and it was like, you know, is this marriage thing really real? Can, can human beings, are they compatible enough to stand each other? You know, Are we so selfish that we can, uh, can we really do this thing called relationship? It was a big question mark in my mind. Um, the integrity of me, Russ Shaw, just me behind my eyes, not my mom, not my friends, parents, Not, you know, and I had, my grandparents were married for 50 some odd years, right? So there was that, but just looking at my own life and going, okay, can I, as a single person, when I was single, could I love someone? Could I trust this other human being with my very vulnerable, sensitive soul and heart and spirit? Could I really open up to them? Is that, is that something I could do, you know? Is that a trip? Is that a venture that I'd be willing to take? Uh, so that's something that I want to get into in the next season of ASI is realizing that we're on a journey. Um, X marks the spot is another good one when it comes to thinking about human integrity. Uh, the treasure map is usually what you think of when you think of X marks the spot, right? And there's a, a huge treasure that has come in my own life when I realized, you know, I want to start here, right? What do I want? Where is my life going? And, and I'll be honest with you, as a host of this show, I've not been good at that. Um, I said I was going to write a book, you know, 10 years ago. I said five years ago, I was ready finally, right? I mean, all this stuff, I still haven't written anything. I haven't published anything. I'm I'm still, you know, I've been in a, a ongoing healing. I have been wounded before. I've had things blow up in my face. I've made plans and set goals and didn't achieve them, and, and that... You know, is just you start to feel like, you know, my ADHD, is that the problem? Am I just, you know, I my goals are not realistic or I don't have smart goals, to use that term. And maybe that's an excuse, I don't know. But I really do, I have a journey. And it's not that I'm all about, you know, leading by example, but... To be honest with you, there's a version of me that hosts this show, and sometimes I have to go back and listen to my own show, right? Like I've I've said that before, but there's a ver again, there's a version of me that hosts this show that says things that I believe in my core that I'm not doing, all right? That I want to be more of a purpose driven kind of person, and I'm just not, right? I get wounded, I get hurt there are setbacks, I make excuses, I'm a bit lazy I I want to not just lead by example but I do want to live this life like, you know, like the good Lord just gave me so many days man, I may sound like I'm younger, maybe that's because of my own, you know, growth emotionally, right, my maturity was stunted as as an addict for so many years Um, but Really, honestly, I want to mature in a way that is exciting, that is purpose-driven, that is um, what my what I'm about, why I'm here, what kind of ripple effect am I gonna make? I'm going to start with that, and and I have before. All right, and I'll be honest with you, it's just a lot easier sometimes to just throw in the towel. I can't write a book. I'm too scattered. That's a horrible thing to tell myself. I know that. And I do tell myself that. I hear that voice in my head and sometimes I believe it. And I'm sick and tired of listening to to those kinds of messages that come from somewhere in my own uh, distracted, messed-up ego, right? Or self-image, right? That's one of the things. I've talked about that a lot in the past. Just get up and move, right? Move and show me what you can do when you step into the circle and shake like we do. And move when you just can't take a ten move if you just feel like breaking it. Move and show me what you do when you step into the circle and shake like we do. And move when you just... Get up and move, right? If you could move, start some kind of movement in your life. Some music from a past episode I've played before. Sometimes in in the quiet times, right? Like when you're trying to accomplish a goal, or when you're trying to understand where you're at, right? When it comes to purpose, um, when it comes to the meaning, that you're here, right? Why you're at the place you're at. Um, when it comes to even tr- working towards recovering from an addiction or um, recovering from a breakup, maybe a relationship that's ended or uh, the death of a parent, uh, a spouse, a loved one, these things, these things have us uh, there's a blessing in the quiet space, is what I'm saying. And and sometimes we don't like that space. But th- that's what I've found, is that the quiet space is where I've seen the most power come from my relationship with my Creator. Alright? From my relationship with God. From... reminding me of this song... My son actually... Turned me on to this song. Him and I, we bought a Jaguar, right? He he used his own money. He worked at a, as a you know doing shopping carts at Fred Meyer, and and he, we bought this this 1989 Jaguar XJ6. It needed a lot of work, you know. It had electrical problems, but we, we fixed it together. Worked on it together. But one thing we did not get working in that that old Jaguar was the stereo, you know, had the stock, you know, Jaguar stereo. And this is the old Jaguars, right? The ones that were made in the UK. They they don't even make parts for them anymore. So it it was certainly a challenge. And it is roadworthy, but that's what he was telling me. He was telling me about this song and also telling me about the fact that, you know, he didn't want to put in it one of these, you know, Bose sound systems or some nice stereo ride, he kind of wanted to keep it stock. He wanted to keep the vehicle looking like it originally did with the, you know, the Jaguar cassette tape, right? From 1989 with a little Jaguar symbol on it. I mean, it was the stock stereo that came with it. So, you know, we were hoping to get that part fixed, but he would drive to work and uh, there's, just, there's just silence, you know? And uh, he uh, turned me on to this tune by a band that uh, he became familiar with f- through his girlfriend. And uh, I-, I thought the song was brilliant. It totally reminded me of the, the quiet space, the quiet time, you know? Whether it be laying in bed late at night when you can't sleep and you're pondering all the the things, you know, or whether you're driving to work with a, without a stereo in your vehicle, you know, without the noise that can distract us in life. This is uh, 21 Pilots. It's called Car Radio. I ponder if something great. My lungs will fill and then deflate. They fill with fire, exhale desire. I know it's dire my time today. I have these thoughts so often I ought to replace that slot with what I once bought Cause somebody stole my car radio and now I just sit in silence Sometimes quiet is violent I find it hard to hide it, my pride is no longer inside It's on my sleeve, my skin will scream Reminding me of who I killed inside my dream I hate this car that I'm driving, there's no hiding for me I'm forced to deal with what I feel There is no distraction to mask what is real I could pull the steering wheel I have these thoughts, so often I ought To replace that slot with what I once bought Cause somebody stole my car radio And now I just sit in silence Yes, that's 21 Pilots ASI247.org Click on the music tab If you would like to check out the 21 that I play on the podcast, and I love that song because it's dealing with the tension of silence, right? Where do we go in the silence? How does the silence, how does the, you know, just stillness and peace, how does it make us feel? Maybe a little like this. I love that song. It resonates with my soul. It also had me thinking about, you know, my friend Seth and how it's not a war, right? Like I had to back up from that a little bit and, you know, every man's battle and stuff like that, you know, this this kind of war metaphor. My heart seemed to really jive with that, you know, like everything's a war and we're fighting, you know, there's there's evil things that are taking over it's like Leviticus right? And you know getting into understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ and understanding the peace that that he brings and what that means to me and in my own spirit my own soul one of the things that I've really uh, have sunk up with when it comes to meditation, Um, is understanding that he is the tree and I'm a branch, you know? He uses that uh, metaphor, I think it's John 15, going by memory here. But there's some truth to that. Um, I don't clear my mind and just meditate. It's not something I've ever been able to do. I've had a friend who's, you know, kind of into some uh, Eastern philosophy. I'm not saying it's wrong, it's just something that my mind tends to digest things. And I don't, it's not that I can't be quiet, but it is that listening, you know, the word meditation, it means to, it means to ponder something, right? It means to sit in the quiet and think about a piece of truth, right? Or some aspect of your life that's, you know we attend to pray as christians like we're you just making noise right we're just sending out requests it made me think of my kids you know as my kids were getting older and yeah i mean they would con they would come to dad when they needed something right dad this is can you fix this dad you know even when they're older Dad, my car's got issues. Can you come over and fix it? And I'm just, I'm glad to do it. I am, but sometimes I just want to be with them, right? I just want to be with them in their space. And it's not like I've ever been very good at it, you know? It's that old saying, if the devil can't make you evil, he will make you busy. Reminds me of that song, you know, the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. It's just so true. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. When are you coming home, son? We'll get together then, you know. It's so true, man. Life is so freaking short. And those times and spaces are so much more important than some stupid thing we're trying to, Achieve, you know? It's finding balance, man. Cats in the cradle. Through the battles, you know. Uh Seth brought up the Psalm 46, right? Where Psalm 46, 10, where God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's a verse's uh, right before that, it's it's the psalmist David, right, just freaking out on his circumstances and the wars that that he or he is involved in, right? In the midst of battles that people are coming against him, and you know, sometimes I relate to trying to pay the bills, keep the right, keep us a roof over our head, you know. Uh, Psalm forty six nine says he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear. He burns the chariot in the fire. And then verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob our refuge and then Selah which could be it's part of a song, right? This is music that's being written. But it's also that part of the song that's... Just sit on that for a little while, you know? There's this other story in the Book of Kings where Elijah's going to meet with God, right? And he's told to go to a certain place. It starts in verse 11. This is 1 Kings 19. And he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before God and behold, the Lord passes by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke them into pieces and the ro- into rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind came an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire the sound of a low whisper and Elijah heard it and he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and behold there came a voice to him and said what are you doing here Elijah right I love that because Elijah is not you know, thinking that God is bringing down fire and brimstone on him, right? Elijah's still there listening, listening for the Lord. And that's a beautiful way of looking at prayer. Instead of talking so much, we would sit in the silence, maybe even get comfortable with it maybe even turn off our car stereos and our podcasts and our my spotify, right? Just talking to myself here, man. Cuz there's peace in the silence, and God speaks to us there. Instead of talking the whole time, if we could listen, man. And I'm I'm going to learn to do that too, man. It's going to continue on. This is this whole podcast. You know, I've heard a guy say that. You know, anybody that does a podcast or writes a book, you know, we're processing something. We're processing something. And in 10 years from all of my, you know, I mean, this thing had its hooks in me so deeply. And the process of realizing and being sober about my being and my purpose has been eye-opening it's been stressful it's been hard i've been floundering from time to time i've gone existential right a little bit maturity is like growing pains you know and growing pains can be good for us it's just what do we do with growing pains one of the things I've talked about in this podcast is is getting off of the I've got to stop masturbating to pornography or PMOing and and starting to learn who we are, you know? It's like, yes, yeah, so you, you can use some strategies to stop looking at porn or whatever, or, you know, but if you don't know who you are, if you're not on some kind of a path, it's, it's just going to overtake you over and over again aren't you sick of that right um I know as a man who's seen some distance right some recovery I also know that you know it's lurking back there lurking back there in my past um not that it's owns me today but it's like if I just stay stagnant um I'm not so naive to think that it won't come knocking on my door again, right? That's why I talk about having a purpose-driven life, right? Not that I agree with everything Rick Warren says, it's just a it's just a good statement, right? Um, but I will say this, uh, you know, some of my time at, at Mars Hill and, and some of my time in study and the people I was around for a while. I started to maybe ease into a sort of existential kind of feeling and thinking about my faith. Um, The Tenth Commandment was a big one for me. Uh, that one, I did the most shows on that 10th Commandment. I did I did a series of shows called The Decalogue, where I was unpacking like the law, right? The Old Testament law. These are the 10 commandments. You know, there's pretty good moral teaching in there, right? Like, don't cheat on your wife. Don't steal stuff that doesn't belong to you. You know, don't kill your People, right? I mean, stuff like that. Um, but the biggest one for me was was don't covet the whole coveting, you know. It's it, coveting your neighbor's stuff. Um, being content with your life, and I think I may have interpreted that piece of scripture, that that law, right, the the tenth commandment, it, it, as. Um, existentialism and let me unpack that word a bit that's a it's a word from philosophy. it's a difficult word to define all right but I heard one college professor who who said it well and I thought it was a brilliant <laughs> it was a brilliant uh, definition of existentialism in a nutshell he said that it, it's like uh, life is a long walk off a short pier. Right? That's <laughs> that was his definition of existentialism. Like while you're making other plans, every day keeps ticking by. You're missing out on certain aspects of your life because you're so driven to accomplish your goals or further your career or whatever it is. And that will have you missing pieces of your life and I uh, I thought that was in, important. I thought that was critical because uh, I'll be honest with you there's I'm a driven kind of person. I was more driven as a younger man, right? But as as a as a driven guy, I can feel like <laughs> there's a little rocky music playing in the background here. You know, you start to feel like that. Like I can take on the world. I've got these ideas. I've got this plan. I'm an entrepreneur. I can do these things and then you know, you start to feel that that music, right? And then you look at your family, you know, and you're seeing how things are out of balance, right? Um, so I think it's important to have not just career goals or what you want to accomplish in this world and make your mark on this world because I think that there can be a certain level of narcissism there, right? So it's having relational goals. It's having family goals as well and it's difficult to do stuff as a family and to have date night and and all this stuff when you're poor I I get that it is Um, but you can still take that time even though it's hard and difficult you can not make excuses and take the time to carve out some relational building time whether you're married or not um, it, it, it's important to have relationships with other people. Because the more time we spend alone just trying to do our own thing, I find the more we get messed up and, and tied up. And we trip, we're trip. we tripped up in our own... And then we get stagnant because we don't feel like our lives are moving forward. And a lot of times it's, it's just this balance between relationship goals, right? I, I, I use that word loosely, right? <laughs> says, I, am, I have a goal to meet with my friend today. Sometimes it takes that. I have to write that stuff down. Um, without, a, without a goal, without a date and a calendar, a, an aspiration is like imagination, right? It's like fantasy. It's not really going to happen, it's just something you would like to do. But once you. Walt Disney had a great quote. He said, Everyone needs deadlines right? So having some time to really put this stuff down in a calendar, because listen at the the end of your life laying on your deathbeds over and over again, you hear these stories where people are like, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids with my wife, with my family, with my friends, I wish I would have invested more in relationships is basically what they are saying because this is sort of the anthem of what we should be aspiring to, right? Love this tune by Shinedown. A little music review on the ASI podcast bumper promo tunes. Nothing ever feels quite the same when you are watching dream, and you will never look at anything the same when you see what. So, yes, have dreams, right? Have aspirations. Have things that you want to accomplish. uh, Marks you want to make on this world. But at the end of our lives, again, the question is, how did you love? I think that's a a beautiful way of putting things. Um, You know, there's something very relational to that. Um, Our relationship with God and I don't know if this is some of my <laughs> some of my uh, being a little bit jaded or critical of uh, recovery groups, some of the jacked up ones with people that are sort of bullies that run them, you know it, a lot of times uh, a, a messed up recovery plan or you know system or whatever it is this all right, I want to get clean from this and then we get into a program or something, right? And then it it's becomes less about relationship, more about checking off boxes or, or whatever, right? I mean, my again, my relationship with my God is very, very relational. And it's a relationship that I don't just have with my mind and my spirit, but also my body, we can't separate ourselves from our body. We, we feel stuff, right? When you feel the, the worship music at church or whatever, you know, if you're in a concert and some of the stuff that we feel and it runs and it reverberates through our bodies because our bodies are part of who we are. I mean, ultimately, they're going to be buried in a box and go in the ground, but our bodies are very important. Yourself, who you are, is incredibly important, not just... You know, because you need more self-esteem, all right? I'm not talking about ego or the id, you know, I'm talking about your self, your body and and who you are as a collective whole person. It just reminds me again of what Paul Young said, you know wholeness happens when the truth of our being, meets the way of our being. And while we're alive, and while this heart inside your body is pounding, and while your eardrums are hearing this sounds that I'm making through the podcast here, that's your body, man. Another thing I'm going to be touching on in Season 5 is I'm going to be talking a lot more about our bodies as part of our person. and. You know, I, I, being addicted to pornography is just a rush to the body. An orgasm is a delight to the body. It's also, you know, it can keep us in bondage, right? And the more of them we have, the less impact they have. The less feel-good wash of feelings impact our our, our being? You know, sex isn't just something that happens in your body. It goes through the levels of spirit and heart and mind. And friend of mine goes to an Orthodox church, and I went for one service and, and it he, he likes it because he says it engages the senses. Like your body gets involved in the worship service because you're you know, there's incense, there's kneeling, there's getting up, there you stand for most of the service. Um, for me it was a little over the top with the religious pageantry, but that's just me and I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna call him whatever just because I, I don't get it right. I worship differently. I worship differently than he does. And I'm not going to sit there and go idolatry because I think that's what some churches would do. They would say that oh well it's idolatry because you're you're not worshipping Jesus. You got all these, you know, religious garb and all this, you know, the incense and all that and it's not, no that's not the value. See, it's easy for someone to stand back and to dictate or judge other people for what they value. Um, Again, breaking down the word worship, it's worth if you take worth the word worth and ship right? It's value. It's an investment statement. It's what are you invested in? Um, When I was just totally jacked up and addicted uh, compulsive sexually uh, just pornography, but, you know, seeking out the next sick, elusive, you know, sexual tryst that I could uh, scam my way into, I, I put, I, I didn't even realize how much value I had put on having an orgasm, Right? or the sexual adventure of it all. It was was a worth-based investment of my body and my time, because time is part of your body. I know this. I feel this getting older, right? I mean, the, the concept of grace, that Jesus forgives us and loves us and is very patient with us, but one thing that isn't so patient is the clock, man. You're getting older every single day. The clock is running out on all of us. We're all mortal, you know? Our mortality has is connected to our bodies, and a big part of that mortality is time. Um, I love that verse in Ecclesiastes where he says Solomon's like, God put eternity in the hearts of men. We may not feel like we're mortal, you know, but we are. And, you know, my, my cousin had a stroke. Um, she's 61 years old, and her life has been altered until she passes away very dramatically, with just one moment. She sits in a hospital right now in Snoqualmie. It's been six months now, and she's still on a feeding tube. And, and, and I, you know, she was kind of like my sister growing up. I, I was an only child, and she was, you know, much older than me, but she's 61. And I just... These kinds of things, this, this struggle, and having gratitude in, in the struggle, right? Understanding love in that place and that's why this body, mind, spirit you know, when we don't when when folks compartmentalize that and bring it into some kind of systematized sort of you know, construct the problem is when we interpret the Bible through that kind of thinking to divide it up to take a person and divide them into three parts and then just say that, you know, you're either this or you're that. You know, it's it's not all-inclusive. Who is this man that lives inside me? You know, this analogy. We're struggling with our identity and our, our place in the world. Who we are, right? All of this has to do with... Um, I'm not just going to say ego is is the thing, right? Or ego is a bad thing, either. Um, Basically, the id, the ego, the super ego, this is basically a systematic framework that one man named Sigmund Freud came up with to explain the human psyche, all right? And it's sort of classic psychology. I listened to a couple of lectures, uh, one at MIT and one at Yale. And the professor at Yale was actually like the dean of the college or something like that. the Guy that taught one or one or two of the classes, and and he had some great things that he was saying about Freud, you know, because again, this is this is a historical kind of psychology. Um, Freud, when it comes to ego and the guy who you know wrote the book, right? Uh, he basically got this concept, and some people could argue this, of Plato's chariot, all right? So Plato comes up with this allegory describing the human psyche as a chariot, and there's horses, right? The horses are our lizard brain, right? The evolutionary biologists would say. Um, It's the animal part of us. It's our motor function. It is, you know, not just desire, but the animal desires. Right? I need to eat. I need to reproduce. Um, a lot of this stuff can be attached to a jacked-up sexual compulsivity, um, pointing to this the the id. Right? Um, so he, he, that's the horses in this in this analogy in this allegory. Uh, the chariots. And the driver of the chariot is the ego. It is the self, right? It is you, you know, as a person trying to get this thing called your body and its desires under control. So it's the reins of the of the desires, right? I mean... I have a friend who's talking about you know his kid throws temper tantrums and he has these talks with his kid about hey you know you, you need to learn how to pull the reins on your on your on your emotions when you get angry and 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 then, is that a good thing for a parent you know not telling them not to get angry but learning that that our emotions are like that horse right uh, developing a healthy self development right is part of that, right? Parenting is part of helping your kids, you know, rein in their emotions, so to speak. So as as people, you know, we're trying to and, and here's what Freud would say, we're highly higher evolved, you know, individuals just trying to control our desires. And so he came up with, you know, again, it, it, we're talking about Freud and his analogy that he came up with from Plato. And Plato talks about, you know, behind the chariot driver is the superego. And the superego is, you know, like Caesar, right? Caesar is behind him with a sword going, yeah, hey, you need to do this. Or my friend uh, John Gaten and I, I, I was talking with him, and we, he was talking about, you know, People seem to be gravitated towards the guy with the vein sticking out of his neck who seems to have all the answers, right? (laughs) See, I mean, part of this is me processing the last few years of my life as I've seen my own spirit and self, if you will, grow through this process of of theology and psychology, you know, Um, understanding my own place. I mean, I keep saying I'm going to write a book, and then my the church I go to falls apart, and uh, you know stuff like that. So it, it, it's been good to process this stuff. Uh, it's helped me understand a word, and this is a theological word, and I sort of uh, some of my talks with my friend Seth Taylor in in you know developing an understanding of the world. Theologically, I read a book, uh, I listened to a bunch of lectures by a guy named Wayne Grudem who wrote a book called Systematic Theology. And I got about halfway through the book and I started to realize that here's a cat who, you know, I don't want to sound too critical, but he seems to really think that he's got the Bible all figured out. And I don't know if that's healthy, right? And once we start thinking that we can figure God out... That we can climb in the driver's seat of God, I mean, that is just unhealthy, all right? That's maybe a little scary. Um, God is unknowable to to the degree and the person that he is. Our little feeble minds can't wrap around what God is doing in the universe, all right? I mean, it would be like explaining the internet to your schnauzer okay we there's a lot of stuff we're just not going to get and and that's okay the thing that we do need to understand is for me it's it's been the love of god um abounding in steadfast love slow to anger right entering time and space as the sun putting on flesh walking among us the love and grace and mercy of God it's something we need to be conscious of and it had me thinking of grace consciousness alright, that's something that I came up with, alright, that's just the more I understand scripture the more I understand the character of God being love the more I understand this kind of grace consciousness the only time that God is defined as anything in the scriptures God is defined as love you know, Moses meeting with the burning bush, right? Who are you? <laughs> he says, I am. I just am. Right? God doesn't have to explain himself to us. But through his grace and mercy, and if we are conscious of the love that God brings to us, we can understand a grace consciousness. Because that will change how you view the world, it'll change how you view your neighbors. It will. Change how you walk in the world. Not just with an upright kind of confidence that's, you know, pride, right? See, pride, ego, superego. This is where, you know, uh, Freud's analogy and Plato's allegory break down for me because it's too systematic. It's too um, archaic, you know? Because the superego is kind of we build that don't we we build that in our own minds when when all of us you know the mars hill church thing falls you hear a lot of people crying uh idolatry i guess we you know some of us are crying justice to a certain degree here's a man who doesn't think he needs to answer to god it it seems he has no consciousness of the grace that was poured out on him um And, and you know, I'm not here to grind an axe against Mark Driscoll. I I love Mark Driscoll. Like many addicts, I want to see him come into that kind of grace consciousness, right? To understand that he's been given grace. That he carries his cross. That he... You know, I mean, that's just the basic tenets of our faith. So, you know, that's what I wanted to talk about when it comes to the id and the ego. I'm not a guy who thinks that the id, the ego, this analogy or this allegory is wrong um, or the ego is a bad thing that we should avoid you know, it's the flesh, right? The spirit and the flesh um, Galatians 5 16 and 17, I used to say that there was a war going on, you know, and I've kind of learned over the years that it's not much of a, that that much of a war I can't remember how many years ago I put that up on the website, I put Um, ASI, you know, the, the journey from sexual addiction or sexual compulsion to sexual integrity. Integrity meaning a pin on the map where you're actually honest about where you're at, right? This doesn't have to do with ego. This is a breakdown of our relationship with our creator. And it is way more relational than it is systematic. And when we make it systematic, then... We put God in a box, and there's no more mystery. There's no more relationship. And God, you know, we're the ones that back away from God. God is standing there like C.S. Lewis, right? See, he has this great analogy. He's standing there in the warm cabin with the fire going while we're shivering in the cold, you know, distant from him, you know, even shaking our fist, going, where are you, Right. Yeah, so I just want to make, make that clear that I'm not, you know, separating the ego is a is a bad thing, big scary demon ego. It's it's a pretty good metaphor, I guess, on a shallow level of explaining the self to a certain degree. I Man, it shows how it can get out of hand, right? Some of the most successful, most famous, rich people are are some of the most busted up and broken because of their super ego is themselves and everybody tells them that and i pray for those people man i've had a few of those folks contact this podcast and and it's it it, so again i I just want to make that clear the ego not the devil all right it's just a part of another analogy it's just another man who came up with a concept to describe who we are and why we do what we do and why we listen to the voices we do. What I'm trying to say is there's a certain level of worth that we put on ourselves that makes us worshipers, right? And when we value our own being, our own body, mind, spirit all together as one, it just changes your whole paradigm. Um, An example of this is Ephesians 5 in relationship, right? Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Well, what does that mean? Because I've heard that interpreted as, you know, (laughs) later on in my life, I've heard it interpreted as codependency. And some Christian counselors and pastors will, you know, maybe because of a lack of knowledge, will... Bolster people's codependency issues, and that's not healthy either. So I like to talk about the verse that comes right after that, which is Ephesians five twenty-nine, where uh, the Apostle Paul says, "For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as the Lord cares for the church." Now. I remember being in Pastor Rick's office and this is one of those verses that I thought was contradictory and, and I didn't like it and I thought that it was just BS and I and, and here was my here was my argument to, to Rick at the time and I said I said dude I don't even like myself you know I'm supposed to love my, my wife and, and as much as I love myself. Like what does that mean? Because I don't even like myself. That's just where I was at. And he says what that means. He says, you know, even in the aspect of, of someone who's suicidal, um, they are putting so much... They're investing so much self-worth in their ability to ease the pain that they would end their own life. If that's not nourishing and cherishing that one thing, that body, mind, spirit, right... I just got to kill the pain. That is a form of value and economy with someone who's um, not thinking about others, right? It's just all about me and my pain. And if I check out, it doesn't matter what the ripple effect is because we are, we are so invested in our own bodies to numb the pain. That we would let our ego even end our lives. Just to, you know, just to appease that part of us that we cherish. And see, when we understand our value, it changes everything. It changes how you feel. It changes how you view yourself. And when how you view yourself changes, it'll change your heart. And again, it's something I've said a thousand times, change the hearts. Changes the mind, changes behavior over time because your heart is immensely valuable. And your heart is a metaphor for this blood pumping right through your body center of being from your f- toes to your fingertips blood courses through your body because of your heart as much like the spirit and the soul they're all interconnected and you know your level of purity is not based on your behavior it's based on the value that God puts on your life as an individual creation and human being that he loves and created with a specific person in mind and that is the DNA i mean the bible talking about how the hairs on your head are counted like he knows every every aspect of your your DNA right what part of the cosmos you would land in it's putting out that energy the ripple effect that is your life you will create a ripple effect based on what you Believe and feel, and as it pulsates through your body, how your life will ultimately unfold. So, you know, my friend Steph and I get in these arguments, and he's like, "Oh, that's the Calvinist, you know, in you." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm not that much of a Calvinist. I do believe in there's certain things that I like about Calvinist philosophy, but the Anglican in me, right, believes in this kind of time travel metaphor, you know." That we are changing the future as we change our hearts and minds. We are changing the future. And God, that is a beautiful worship experience, right? That's more than getting into the music of church. That's your life flowing out and, and changing the future, being the change, right? I love that song by Matthew West It's called Do Something <laughs> And it's like, it's like it starts out with He's you know wringing his hands at God The poverty you know the Sexual addiction I'm, People on heroin like Why don't you do something God and, and he says I did God says I did I made you God says I made you And we continue the ripple effect And we can change the world And that's true all right I pray that you know you get some time to spend alone with God maybe go for a walk find some silent time to listen to to clear out the noise and to listen to God and let God sync up with you syncing up with God right that's the deeper prayer praying with your whole body is just sitting in silence and the Bible says that over and over again I'm He's in the silence. He speaks to us in the quiet places. Um, Season 5, as we move into that, whatever that would look like in the future, uh, you know, I'm on to something, right? I haven't put up a show in a few weeks because the car broke down. All this stuff just happened. I have a cold right now. That's why I sound kind of gravelly in this podcast. I realize that not having time, I mean, the money issues we... The car breaks down for three days. I'm three days without work and then I have to spend money to get the car back on the road and bills are going late and, you know, we're having to refinance our house because every year now our interest rate keeps going up because we're on some kind of an arm, right? So keeping the credit score where it should be, right? And this, all this pressure has happened since the last podcast in the season finale and that's when I start to realize hey you know there's that resistance <laughs> I must be on to something and I' and I'm learning and I'm growing through the process through the suffering through the the issues right and how I'm handling it as opposed to how I used to handle it which was usually crying and freaking out and cursing God and drinking myself into a a stupor, right? Or rubbing one out. Seeing certain prostitutes. Uh, There was a prostitute who would put me down and tell me I was worthless. And I went to her repeatedly because there was something in me that that, that, that Was attracted to that, and that was in my body. That was in my spirit. That was in my in my being, and it had to be evicted. And there is a philosophy, especially here in the United States, to a certain kind of American evangelicalism. All right, and I know what I'm about to say is controversial, but this is part of. closing season 4 there is a philosophy a way of thinking about God in a Christian kind of way and I use that in quotation marks right that is not after your freedom it makes money and it keeps you in bondage because it's going to give you a message very similar to the message that prostitute gave me that I kept coming back for and that is you need us you need to come here and you need to whip yourself and you need to crawl through the glass a healthy church should feel like a healthy family and you know for those of you maybe like me and don't really know what a healthy family feels like um, you'll know it when you find it and I found it in a couple of different times, right? in my spiritual journey, in my spiritual walk, walking with other people because I do think that is very important. But they feel like family. They feel like brothers and sisters. And you know family, it doesn't always feel good, right. I mean sometimes there's 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 struggles involved. There's carrying each other's burdens and there's sharing in each other's joys. And sometimes we're maybe not in the mood. Man, there's so many times I went to a recovery group or a community group or a Bible study and I didn't want to, you know? But then when I got there, I'm like, oh, you know, this guy's going through that and this person just celebrated that and, and I, I got to be a part of that. That's being involved in a healthy family. And that's what this process is all about. And that's what season five is going to be about. And I'm bringing in experts and we're going to talk about what it means to live a life of freedom. For reals. For reals, reals. Alright? But I think more and more as time moves on, we start to understand the machine. You know, people say, I don't trust organized religion or institutional religion. It's because it's... It's not authentic, and it's it's trying to bring you back into that place, right? That shame-ridden place. Makes you feel at home in the dirtiness of who you are. This is the deceptive and disgusting part of a bad interpretation of total depravity for example a church is a family a church is a people a church has no walls it has no systems it has no you know you sign a paper and you have to sign up for these three things and they just no it's a family it's not a machine it's not a business business aspects to it but the heart of it is family and being in a safe place. We follow Jesus. It's being like Jesus. It's She stands with welcoming body language as she's in front of the door and this door that she stands in front of is It's huge, it's tall, and behind it is light. And she isn't standing there going, you know, the good people get to come. No, she's saying there's room for everyone. She's not making people out to be their issues. She's not dividing people by what kind of sins they struggle with. She, like Jesus, is working to throw out the accounting book that is our sins laying down heavy burdens and picking up a cross in relationships she has a slow burning fuse all right? she has eyes of kindness and in her heart is love She's not an individual. She's a, a people. And that's who the church is to me. I'm getting emotional as I say this. It's, you know, I am so not the usual person you would find in a church. Or that would want to belong to one. You know? But I love Jesus. And I, I, I love seeing what he's doing in the lives of other people and in communities in countries again, thanks for listening it's been a weird kind of relationship that I've had to the the podcast it's been an honor as I turn off the car and go back in the house and take some more cold medicine Thanks for listening. I'm humbled and honored that you folks listen, man. I really am. Until next time, I'll leave you with that song by Matthew West. I love this song. Bye. I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble. Now I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever going to turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something? ASI is a listener-supported podcast when it comes to content production. I alone am responsible for its content. ASI 247.org or contact me russ at ASI 247.org Thanks for listening.